0: I'm Jeff Murphy from Boston University Alumni Relations, and I'm your host for an interview series showcasing the career paths of our most interesting and accomplished alumni. Welcome to the Proud to Be You podcast. My guest today is fellow podcaster and the CEO of Mulu Labs, Alejandro Garcia Amaya. Alejandro graduated from the Questrom School of Business in the class of 2007, and since then has been following his passion for entrepreneurship. He was co-founder and CEO of Interminds, where he worked at the intersection of interactive art, branding, and technology. Today at Mulu Labs, he leads an investor-backed team in Silicon Valley and also hosts the Getting Here podcast, centered on conversations with leaders who are pursuing and achieving their dreams. Alejandro joined me on the podcast to share a few of the lessons he's learned following his path and also to talk about the important role that networking has played in his career. Alejandro Garcia of Maya, thank you so much for joining us on the Proud to Be You podcast.
1: Thank you for having me here, Jeff.
0: And let's get started by by uh, stating something. You and I found each other because you have a podcast that's nearly identical to this one. Will you get us started <laughs> by talking a little bit about your, your
1: podcast? Yes, the podcast is called Getting Here, and it's based on uh, leaders who pursue and achieve their dreams and how they got to where they are. And we cover upbringing, uh, success, fears, and, and uh, lessons learned. And it's a whole diverse range of of leaders from different uh, communities and heritages, backgrounds, industries. Uh, so we have we have a lot of fun.
0: And I listened to an episode that you did with another BU alum, Dan Lieberd. Uh, and I'll tell anybody who's listening, if you like Proud to BU, you're going to like uh, Alejandro's Getting Here podcast as well. So where can people find that?
1: Uh, they can go to gettinghere.us. And uh, in there, you have all the available links for uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, uh, just all, all the different mediums. yes. Perfect.
0: Well, let's rewind the clock a little bit. Um, I certainly want to talk about about your career path and, and how you got to where you are. But tell me, um, we had chatted a, a few weeks ago, but tell me, uh, so our listeners know, wh- where did you grow up? And, and I'm curious to know how you found yourself at BU for your undergrad experience.
1: Yes. So I was born in New York, raised in Columbia. Tell us about eight years old came to the States cause my father worked at the United Nations. So that's where I ended up growing up in a uh, Westchester County in a, in a city called Scarsdale. And, uh, I ended up at BU because I have two older brothers and each of which went to their respective university, one in uh, New York, NYU, the other Villanova, which was in Pennsylvania. And, um, and I want to be close to home, and I figured since those states were already covered, why not go to Boston? And um, and I visited Boston University during the springtime, and fell in love with it. Not realizing that also uh, the springtime is only like a week that you get to spend <laughs> <laughs> as a student at the university. The Rest of the time is is uh it's a lot of cold, um, but it was it was a lot of fun.
0: But you also get those picturesque winter postcard shots of snow up and down Com Ave. I mean, who would right. want to miss out on no, that? No,
1: who would yeah. want to miss out on that? You're absolutely right.
0: <laughs> so you, you came to BU and you started at at the time was the School of Management, now the Questrom School of Business. And from from what I remember, you sort of majored in entrepreneurship. Had you known your whole sort of you know, in high school or even growing up as a kid that you thought about being an entrepreneur someday?
1: Yeah, you know, I was surrounded... Um, my parents So my father's an academic uh, turned diplomat and my mother's an entrepreneur her whole life and so i have always been surrounded and i've always seen so many different ventures that she created growing up and um and so i think that free spirit and that curiosity was always was always provided to me by my mother by my grandfather so the father for my mother he was also very entrepreneurial uh, so i, I don 't think uh, while along the journey you have different things that come up i think i 'd always once you get a taste of of building a building something and uh, building a venture and building a team and and trying to solve a problem it's it 's pretty addictive
0: so you got to COMAF. Um, I'd love to talk a little bit. I sometimes think of this as the BU lightning round. Um, before we sort of talk about your academic experience, I'd love to know kind of about your life at BU. W- where did you live when you were on campus? Were you in the in the residence halls?
1: I was in the. I was in yes. I was in West Campus in Rich Hall. That was my uh, that was my freshman year. Um, then I went to ten nineteen sophomore year, and and then as a junior. I got to go to the back then they were pretty brand new, but the um, but those towers, residential towers in in West Campus, I'm I'm drawing a blank here for the name, but um, they're connected, they're right across the street from Yes, Student Village. So I got yes, that was a big deal. Student Village was a big deal. You know, you you got it at the right time. Sell sell yourself to the devil to try and get in there. (laughs) Um, you know, I got I one of my I was lucky that my roommate, um, one of his friends, got in, got the ticket. I for, I, don't, I already forgot how that worked, but somehow he you know he got accepted to be a part there, and then he was choosing what roommates he and wanted to be. In. Yes, so so we there, got yep. lucky, and we got pulled in there as juniors.
0: Go. Nice. So um, how quickly or how long did it take you to feel like you were at home at BU? Was it right away your first year or was it later once you really got connected to some other friends?
1: Um, Yeah, I would say right away. You know, I guess it depends on your personality. But I've always been more comfortable being placed somewhere that I don't know anyone and just make friends um so so that was that was very helpful skill set to have and um and i literally think from day 1 uh playing sports helps out a lot you know so playing basketball uh playing pickup soccer games um uh, you just quickly start picking up a number of friends and people you have a lot of things in common and and immediately that just improves the experience right away
0: along those lines you know were there student organizations that you became a part of as somebody who was interested in entrepreneurship and business, or were you sort of already kind of laying the groundwork to be an entrepreneur outside of the class work that you were doing?
1: You know, when, when I came in as a freshman, I already had, a uh, my brother and I, my brother started a company called E-Tectonics. It was IT consulting for businesses. So law firms and schools, we even had churches. Um, and um, we've been doing that for a couple of years and it had grown quite a bit. So when I joined, I was already heading business development for the company. I got into BU and the any time that I had off, I would be spending it trying to get new business for, uh, for e-tectonics in the Boston area. But I, you know what? I really wish, I wish I, 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 looking back now, I wish I would have actually done more research and looked at the, all the different type of student groups that are out there because uh, they're amazing. They're amazing and, and, you, and you get to tap into another world, learn a lot of things and build friendships and relationships while you're doing it. So I, I think that's super valuable.
0: So at 18, 19 years old, you're already an you know, entrepreneur working in a business with your brother. Mm-hmm. How was that experience of balancing academics and doing your coursework along with running uh, an emerging business?
1: It's a learning curve. It definitely is a learning curve, and you have to figure out what works for you and what doesn't. Um, and I was lucky enough that you know I was doing this out of my own drive. It was not that my brother uh, – at this stage, by the way, for tectonics, it was my brother and my mother. So it was a company that we – I had both those family members in there, and they obviously just cared more about me getting my education. So it was more, more me trying to challenge myself and, and do something different there. Um, and so, yeah, so it was, you know, half, half, I'm sure, I'm sure if I look back at my grades, there are some semesters I'm not proud of, but, uh, but it worked (laughs) out.
0: So speaking of those semesters, are there classes that you remember taking that really stand out in your mind as, as helping shape your entrepreneurial path? Were there professors that you really look back on now as, as being mentors to you?
1: Yeah, I really I had an incredible time with uh, Professor Molander, Eric Molander. He led the uh, entrepreneurship. That was what I majored in. Uh, in the question school, and um, and he was just incredible. It was just fascinating. I remember one day he actually brought in the founder of Subway, and he actually just came in and shared with us his experience and all the challenges that he came across and all the creative ways in which he 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 tackled them. And uh, and Eric was always there. Professor Molander really. Uh, after class was so available and always made it really easy for for you to go in, uh, share a ton of ideas that probably were horrible and, uh, you know, and be really and be really polite and nice and, and walk you through why your idea sucks and. Um, which is very helpful, it really is, it's very helpful. But I really love that class. We got to tackle so many different cases, so many different businesses that, you know, what went right, what went wrong, and got to speak with a lot of uh, guests that he would bring in. Cause I, I believe Eric had sold his company some time ago and then he set up a shop, like a consultancy uh, and maybe even also like a VC firm. And so it was just great. It was incredible to have that as your professor.
0: So it's interesting to hear that, you you know, you talked a little bit about getting ideas shot down. A few minutes ago, you were also talking about this drive that you've had to be, you know, to challenge yourself and to be successful. Was that something that you always knew was going to be part of being an entrepreneur? Was it something that you learned at BU uh, or or has it been more so after, you know, the businesses that you've started since your BU experience?
1: I think a bit of everything. Um, you know, the, the characteristics that I feel really important to have are that I've, I've noticed, right. As an entrepreneur is that most entrepreneurs you meet are very optimistic. Um, I think that's your, And I think that trade is necessary because you better be optimistic because it's it's hard. (laughs) Right. The minute something bad happens, uh, you know, you can't you got to always look at the at the brighter side and, and figure out, okay now how do we solve for this? Um, so optimistic, opportunist, uh, opportunistic, right? So like an opportunist, uh, look, at, look at what's out there and know that there is always some form of solution that, that could actually be, you know, when, when, when something goes wrong, maybe it's the, it's, it's the solution to that new problem that ends up being, you know, the product or the service that, that, that creates your company. Right.
0: Yeah. So I'm interested again, with the the optimism and the drive, I'm curious to know how you tap into that, how you create that drive and optimism on those days that maybe, you know, you get out of bed and it's just not your day. How do you, how do you continue to tap into those things? Do you have strategies for doing that or is it just work?
1: That's great question. Uh, First and foremost, I would say that the people that are around you just surround yourself with optimistic people and you'd be surprised how that passes on to you. So on, on my end, even just family, my mother, my brothers, they're entrepreneurs as well. Uh, my father. Uh, so I think the times when you're down and you get to just call them and talk about it, a lot of times too, you know, what these things that happens to entrepreneurs, if they don't have a a medium and an audience that, that, they feel safe with that they can share a lot of the challenges that they're going through that, that can be a recipe for disaster. disaster. You know, you end up, you end up building all this frustration. And if there's nowhere else to let it go, it can just, it might end up going straight to your team, uh, or just fog any ideas that otherwise would have come out, uh, you know, to solve a certain problem. So surround yourself with people that are optimists and um, and that definitely uh, helps out a ton.
0: So tell me about the experience you had as a graduating senior, figuring out and, and making some decisions about what you were going to do after you finished your degree. Was the plan to sort of continue building e-tectonics with your brother or did you already have sort of thoughts about starting your own business? What was, what, what was that decision process like for you?
1: You know, it's funny because you... You have like this plan set, right? And you say, okay, so the plan was, I'm going to go with e-tectonics, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. And I think the minute I got out, an opportunity arose where I had um, my best friend's father, he owned a private equity fund. Which uh, even graduating from question uh, school, I did not know much about private equity, but he owned this private equity fund and he had read an article in Business Week uh, that spoke really well about Colombia and its economy. And obviously he's known me and my family for quite some time. And he approached me and, and told me, you know, he asked me, do you know what I do? I said, I have no clue. And, and he explained to me what private equity is. And bottom line, it's just a group of investors that they invest in privately owned companies. Uh, that are uh, e- each one has their their own vision of where their investments go. But in, in his particular fund, they invest in bis- privately owned, family owned businesses that've been around for ten or so years. That uh, the idea is they have they have a. A great foundation, but with an injection of capital and some operational experience provided by the firm, you know they can turn the company around and in five or six years sell it for twenty uh, x what 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 its value is right that's that's usually how it works and um, and he asked me to if I would be interested to go to Columbia and check out a couple of, you know, see if I can find some potential deals for them. And of course I'm 21 and that seemed like an incredible opportunity. I, I discussed it with my brother, with my, with my parents. And, you know, my brother was the first one to say, you would be crazy not to take this. You got to go and give it a shot. And so, uh, so I did. And, uh, and by the way, keep in time, keep in mind too, that, uh, When we graduated, it was the spring of 2007. We were all pumped, and it's like, yay, go out there and change the world. And then a couple months later, people that have had uh, a career for 20 or 30 years don't have a job because the global financial meltdown, right? So one of the things that I think is really powerful – to have always is that many people set up a plan, which is amazing. Uh, but you got to be flexible. You got to be able to adapt. And um, and even now, when I look for people, uh, when I look for incredible talent, especially in in this in the startup world, you're looking for people that can adapt. You're looking for people, uh, yes, that they have certain experience in something, but at the same time that. Uh, they go with the punches because uh, things change very quickly. And all of a sudden your plan goes to hell and then you say, now what? Um, so that, that was one of my experiences.
0: So you've told me all these stories about sort of following opportunities based on getting out there and meeting people. Do you think of all that as networking? Cause that, that seems to be a pretty easy label to put on that. But would you say that networking has been the key to your success?
1: Yes. Networking is, uh, is important but I would add to that strategic networking, because many people assume that it's just like, oh, well, I'll just go here and I'll stand around and and just get to talk to people. I'll go to a meet and greet or whatever. You know, I think it it needs you like everything else. You need a plan, right? Like, what what are you hoping to achieve? From attending that particular conference or uh, you know trade show or whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. if if it aligns and if it turns out that yes, the people that I am most likely going to get the chance to meet here are the ones that are going to help me build X and X and you know so and so, then do it. And if and and then just the the uh, attending those shows and getting to meet people and talk with people, it's, it's an art form of of um of being extremely polite of knowing how to properly step away from a conversation without having the other individual feel like you're just completely disregarding them right so there there's so many things to it that you don't realize you learn until you see someone else do it the wrong way and you say oh okay so i guess i did know that You know, I guess there is some art form to this in in engaging and connecting with people and, and doing it the right way.
0: I spend a lot of time talking to people about networking, Alejandro, and that's all really good advice. So thank you for sharing that. I certainly don't want to gloss over anything, but how do you go from that 21 year old, you know, managing these equity relationships in South Africa to becoming a tech entrepreneur in the Bay Area?
1: So about three, no, four years ago, my brother, I have two older brothers. Uh, it turns out that all of us have the entrepreneurship bug in us. And, uh, my eldest brother, he four years ago decided to, he did his MBA at NYU and then he'd always loved and, and been a part of the technology world. And he decided to go to San Francisco, go to Silicon Valley, uh, Hopefully, you know, get accepted by one of the most prestigious in, investor institutions and uh, and build a company and build a team. And he went there for about a year and a half uh, on his own. It was hard. He he actually had his uh, uh, Leslie, my sister-in-law. They, they were kind of going back and forth and he had to live in San Francisco for some time alone and in. Uh, it's not, it's not cheap trying to figure out how to live in San Francisco. It's super expensive. Rent is super expensive. But at the end of the day, he ended up getting accepted to Y Combinator, which is an early stage seed fund. They also are recognized as accelerators. And, um, and what they do bottom line is, um, the way it works is if you have a, if you have a bit an, an idea that already has a bit of traction meaning yeah i have you know 10 so people that are clients or i have uh, you know a uh, hundred thousand people that have downloaded you know consumers that have downloaded my app whatever it is whatever traction you have if, it, if you have something that shows that you're actually doing something really really intriguing interesting and it's a big enough market um this these early stage funds, They, if you get accepted, you apply, if you get accepted, they give you uh, for Y Combinator, which is recognized as, as uh, literally like the, the top and the hardest thing to get into. Um, they give you $100 a $120,000 check. You go through a three-month program with them where you're working from the offices that they provide. And at the end of your three months, you have a demo day. And the demo day is, it's literally how you see it in how you would imagine it in, in the movies. If you're watching a movie where it's like a dark room, you go there uh you present in front of the world's most distinguished investors they have like a button that they press if they're interested in investing and in one night you could raise so my brother ended up going through the program and at the end of it all he he ended up raising close to three million dollars in literally like two nights um, so it goes to show. And so he went through that whole experience. And obviously, as a younger brother, I got to see all of that. And I got to learn a lot about like, I, I, I did not know what an Accelerator was or early stage uh, stage fund and, and the technology industry. And so I just got to see it through through his eyes and got to experience it. Uh, I ended up actually traveling with him a couple of times. And on his end, I think he he'd been vouching he knew he wanted to live in san francisco and california in silicon valley and um with his wife leslie and he he played his cards right and he brought me there and i fell in love with it and with california and uh and then i brought my girlfriend who's now my wife there she fell in love with it and one step led to the other and ended up making a move and ended up stepping aside from the company Intermines. that's a company that i had built with my mother for the past eight years that we bootstrapped and ended up becoming the largest marketplace that connects uh, attraction centers to interactive attractions uh so like amusement parks uh uh, family, uh, attraction centers, uh, aquariums, zoos, all these are considered attraction centers. Shopping centers are considered attraction centers and all of them are always looking for, uh, an attraction to bring to their space. And they usually, they have a set budget. They usually have a time when they want to do this and, uh, and the way it used to work and it still does. Um, is they, the person in charge would literally talk to those that they knew around them that were part of the creative industries and figure out what type of vendors could work for what they're looking for uh, instead of going in our platform. And now what you can do is you go in our platform, you tell us what your budget is, uh, how big the space is, when you're looking to host this particular event, and if there's a theme. And automatically we curate uh, you know, over... 15,000 different type of attractions that fit exactly what you're looking for um, and then connect you with those individuals and, uh, and sometimes we're a part of the event itself and, and we help lead it and other times we, we just do the connection and grab a commission um, so yeah, so that's what we ended up building and about a year and a half ago I stepped aside to already living in San Francisco I stepped aside and said you know what, I want to I want to, I want to give this a shot and I want to, I'm here in Silicon Valley. We're already living here. This is the, the epicenter for the technology world. And, um, and it really is, it's crazy. You, you, you walk the streets and you know, you're, you're eating, I guess this is what happens when you're in New York and you see, uh, actors or, uh, or if you're in the financial world in in New York and you see a really famous investor, you know, sitting right next to you in Silicon Valley, you're eating a sandwich and you see like a former co-founder of PayPal right? Or a former. So it's, it's just, it's, it's hilarious. And in LA, you know, you're right next to you, you're sitting to Tom Hanks, right? So like, every, every city has its, has, uh, has its, its fame, uh, just in different industries. But yeah, so that's, that's how I found myself in San Francisco, and, and giving it a shot for, uh, for, for what I'm doing now.
0: Well, and speaking about all these big-time tech entrepreneurs, you were uh, not too long ago named as uh, a top 20 Latino tech leader. What did that mean to you, and, and did that help you feel like you've been successful in, in the endeavor in you know the endeavors that you've launched?
1: I have had the opportunity with my brother to even three tectonics to to gain a couple of awards. And we actually had the New York Times write a piece about us and uh, for a business section. And that was really, I mean, I, I must have been 17 at that age. One of the things that you realize is that it, it, it comes and goes. Uh, you definitely shouldn't be focused on, on that. Um, to me, success, to be really truthfully honest, and this might already sound like I've been in California for a long time. Um, but it's, I'm so happy to have the family that I have. I'm so happy to be as close as I am with my brothers, with my sister-in-laws, with my nephews, my nieces, my nieces, my, my cousins. Uh, even though we're, we're, you know, I have cousins in Colombia, and a couple, I'd say about five years ago. I I made up my mind that it's extremely important to me to be there for the people that are, that I love and the people that are family and those that are close. And that would always outweigh anything else that I'm doing. Um, and 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 now looking back and looking at the relationships how close i am with so many of my cousins and um you know reconnecting literally you know you reconnect with family members that all of a sudden you're like oh wait i have a cousin and where how old are they like we're similar age what are they doing right so truthfully in life it's so short it, it goes by so fast the journey of starting a business and building a team, and together trying to solve pretty big obstacles—that's super fun. And that kind of, to me, it's a great way to pass to pass the time. Uh, but the really important things, you know, the things that are success, you know, quote unquote, for me are just build. You know, make sure that that you have been there for somebody else. Um, And I think, by the way, that's why I don't have kids. um, And, and, and my wife and I are actually, you know, we're at that stage, right, where you go on Facebook, and you see everybody with kids, um, you know, just announcing that they're, you know, know, they're gonna have a baby and all that. Um, And, and I totally get it. I, I get the fact that when you're a parent, it automatically it's no more about me it's about that other individual and that's and that's really rewarding it's it's very freeing when all of a sudden you for your entire life it's been me 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 and then one day to the other you don't care so much about me you care about others and you know that other individual whoever that might be and the older I get, the more and the more I reflect back, it's it's that that is the ultimate. Right. It's 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 feeling proud that you were there. It's feeling proud that you 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 have helped others and, 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 and they know you've just like shared your love with others. Love is very powerful.
0: Well, I'm glad that we've got this, uh, you know, Silicon Valley tech entrepreneur bringing it back to family and talking about love. Alejandra, thank you so much for taking time to chat with us. This was really awesome to chat with you, and uh, and I appreciate your time.
1: Thank you so much. i um, uh, thank you for the time, and happy to have connected.
0: My thanks again to Alejandro for joining me on the podcast. It was great to chat with a fellow podcast host, and I really appreciated his willingness to share the ins and outs of his life as a serial entrepreneur. If you'd like to connect with Alejandro directly, I encourage you to reach out to him on LinkedIn and be sure to check out Alejandro's podcast, Getting Here. Thanks again for listening to the Proud To Be You podcast. If you like what we're doing, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review Proud To Be You wherever you download your episodes. I'm Jeff Murphy, and no matter where your path takes you, be proud to be you. The proud to be you podcast is produced by Boston University Alumni Relations. Our theme is from Jump and APM Music. To learn more about proud to be you, visit bu.edu slash alumni slash podcast.